Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock my name is Nigel. That is Jason Hammer right over there. I am very excited. I'm actually kind of relieved and very happy that Eric Holcomb, Indiana Governor Holcomb, is delivering his State of the State address tonight. That is because my prescription for Ambien just ran out. Oh, well, there you go. I've been trying to wean myself off the prescription <laughs> sleep medicine for a while. So what I'm going to do is not only watch it live, but tape it and, you know, eventually I'll fall asleep. If it's not in the first 10 minutes, then, you know... Maybe that within an hour or so. There have been a few farewell tours that have made their way through Indy over the last couple of months. Kiss, the Eagles, yep. and now High Tech's Holcomb. It feels like there's a little less enthusiasm for this farewell tour as the others. So tonight in front of the Indiana General Assembly, for the last time, the last dance, kind of like Michael Jordan documentary. You're going to get Eric Holcomb on stage talking about how awesome he is and all the great things that have happened in the great state of Indiana. And not to mention, it's a great cure for insomnia. 100%. So, since this is kind of the final hurrah of Eric Holcomb, let's take a trip down memory lane. Great Shall moments we? in Eric Holcomb history. <laughs> Do you remember... The COVID lockdowns, Nige? Seems like only yesterday, oh, right? Yeah. Here is Eric Holcomb on the COVID mandates. We do have a state-mandated mask uh, requirement throughout the state. It's a strong statement that says this works. And believe you me, we are seeing cases rise. We are seeing deaths rise. And we know how it's spread. Wearing a mask physically distancing and out of large crowds good hygiene will help us slow that spread narrator <laughs> but none of that worked <laughs> masks did nothing unless you were wearing the tightly fit perfectly fit n95 mask and only using it once or twice before throwing it away and replacing it that little cloth mask that you made everybody wear, except for you when you went down to Brown County. Oh, I remember that. To get a little carry out, got his picture taken right. with the two chicks. Those masks <laughs> did not work. Um, great moments in Eric Holcomb history. Remember when there were people that were concerned their businesses were going to shut down for good yeah. because of these lockdowns. They had a protest outside the governor's mansion. And despite, you know, previous protests, wink, wink, that we were told were peaceful, this actually was a peaceful demonstration. Take a listen to what some of these folks that were outside the governor's mansion wanted everybody to know about what was happening. We've been very frustrated with the effect on the Indiana economy from the shutdown. A lot of people are out of work. A lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people are having financial more harm to the people of Indiana than the virus would have caused. Yeah, 
Exactly. They, they weren't looking for money. They were looking for their jobs back. Right. They were looking for the, abil- uh, the ability to open their business doors again. They weren't blocking the street. They weren't throwing bricks through windows. Nobody was being shot. Nobody was being beaten. This was a peaceful protest on the lawn of the governor's mansion, and Governor Holcomb responded by calling them a Petri dish. Ah, classy. Now, if those people are a Petri dish, what does that make Malik Muhammad? Now, if that name sounds familiar, he was the guy that led the angry mob up the street from downtown to the governor's mansion. It was televised. There was this tense moment back and forth where you didn't know if police and the protesters were going to clash. You were watching. He led this angry mob to the governor's mansion, and his reward was a private one-on-one meet-and-greet with the governor. I do not believe that it was just an appeasement. I believe that it was it was an outreach. If he was doing it to just appease, there, there would have been press in the room. It wouldn't have been a closed-door meeting. That was Malik Muhammad after he met one-on-one with the governor. So the folks that wanted their jobs back, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens, were dubbed a Petri dish. But Governor Holcomb met with this lunatic, called him noble. And then once again, here comes the narrator. Malik Muhammad was later charged with attempted murder and now serving a life sentence. Of a police officer. Right. professional agitator who would go city to city. He was busted on the Pacific coast for trying to kill a police officer. Uh, You know, and it makes me mad, too, because I was jealous. Yeah, before COVID, we we had the governor on a few times. We were friendly with each other. We had, remember that we did the bracket, the March Madness bracket that one time with him on camera? Um, And like he had said, yeah, come on over. I want to show you the beer fridge. He had some name for it, like the the Terminator or the Friginator or something like that. Malik Muhammad got to see the beer fridge in the governor's mansion before I did. That kind of pissed me <laughs> off. Final score, yeah. Malik Muhammad <laughs> one, Hammer and Nigel zero. Remember that conversation we had on the phone about the governor's mansion? And he's like, yeah, I got this big beer fridge. You guys will have to come down and have one. Because this was shortly after Sunday sales was finally okay. signed into law. Is that what it was? So he was doing a victory lap, which, great. All right, fine. I'm That's good with right. that. Sports betting. I'm good with that. We had a decent relationship. But the moment he started calling people who were fearful that you know businesses that have been in their families for generations were going to close down because of government bullcrap, and he called them a Petri dish, yeah, but you me. called Malik Mohammed noble and gave him a one-on-one, you lost me. You lost me for good. And lastly, great moments in Holcomb history. This is his response when people were concerned that, oh, I don't know, we're having the bejesus taxed out of us here in Indiana. How do you replace the revenue if you eliminate some taxes? Are you going to eliminate your public safety? Are you going to eliminate school funding? Are you going to eliminate libraries and parks? It's easy to talk about doing away with something, but you need to have a plan to replace it. Boy, he gets fired up if you dare bring up, hey, you think you could maybe make some changes so we're not taxed so much? Yeah, it's it's called, you know, every business does it. They have ways of cutting costs. To uh, to make a profit, to right. you know, you know what I mean. Like like, there's other things you don't. You could just eliminate a litany of things in within the government that there's we don't need so anymore. There's so much pork loaded bull crap yeah. in every budget. You don't need to replace it. Just cut it. 
Just move a little money yes. around. Everybody that has to do a budget has had to do that. But did you hear how defensive he was? Well, where are we going to get the money from? So you're going to brag about this massive surplus that the state of Indiana has, which, okay, surplus is good until a certain point. Once you get to like a ridiculous point where you're bragging about how much money you have, that just means you have taxed the people too much. Find a way to lessen the burden. So that's coming up tonight, the final state of the state of Governor Holcomb. Yay. A video is going viral, and Libs of TikTok has put this out there. I want to get your thoughts on this, okay. Nige. There's a trans individual who says that if you're a man and you don't want to sleep with someone who uh, you know, has the same characteristics, if you're a man and you don't want to sleep with somebody that Oh, I don't know. Has a dong? <laughs> wait, you're, wait. you're totally transphobic. So you they're saying they're saying if you're a man and you would prefer not to make out or be intimate with another man pretending to be a woman, you're... or anyone with a penis for that matter, <laughs> you are transphobic. Okay. All right. Deciding that you don't want to be intimate with someone because of the genitals they have is transphobic, particularly like if you think about in this case, this means that this person is not open to dating trans women, which invalidates their womenhood. Not only that, it makes assumptions about the way that trans people are going to want to use those genitals, the idea that trans people use the body parts that they have in the same way that cis people with those same body parts do is transphobic. Say it with me. Genital preferences are always transphobic. Genital preferences are transphobic. Hmm. Yeah. So if you're not attracted to someone in any way, shape, or form, it's because you're a phobic in right. some way. Whether or not Correct. they had the same genitals or not. <laughs> so ridiculous. I can't believe this is a viral video. Like, the rest of the world laughs at the United States. This was off libs of TikTok, right? Right. Yeah. They share things yeah. that these liberal lunatics put out there and then they get mad for their own words being used against them. Like it's staggering to me, but I, the rest of the world laughs at the United I, States. I guess if, if, if this person's mind, if I'm transphobic because I don't want to kiss or make out or be intimate with a man pretending to be a woman, then I'm not going to change his mind. You know what I mean? I'm right. not. I, I, fine. Call me transphobic. <laughs> call me whatever you want. I'm not interested romantically to someone with a tallywhacker. What if the tallywhacker's been cut off and they had the actual transformation of the procedure with the little, the little area down there? If there's been or is currently a tallywhacker, I'm out. <laughs> Past, present, or okay. even future, I'm out. Okay. And again, when I say the rest of the world's yeah. laughing at us, here's an example. There's a comedy troupe in Australia, and they made this awesome video summing up what American culture is like right now. Now, the video shows like a group of friends at the beach, and they find some random guy standing by, and they ask him to take a photo for them. Take a listen. Um, excuse me, would you mind taking a photo of us? Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, everybody say cheese. Oh, um, actually, I'm a vegan. Could you please have us say something else? <laughs> okay, everybody say tofu. Tofu is actually not as good for you as vegan sink. Any crossfitter will tell you that. It's bad for your testosterone levels. Okay, I'm sorry. How about we all just smile? Oh, one more asshole asks me to smile. Not really an 
so I'm taking a photo for you. So. What's it smile about anyway? Okay. Would you like me to just count backwards from three? Oh, would you like dyslexic people to just not exist? Dyslexia, <laughs> yeah, so offended. Adopted. Don't even know who my cousins are, so more offended. How about this? We all put a word we're comfortable with in our heads and I'll get the shot. No, it doesn't sound very inclusive, though, does it? I suppose you'd like us all to stand a few metres apart, would you, Stalin? Look, this is what we're going to do. Everybody throw up a peace sign and I'll take a photo. Wow. Cultural appropriation is alive and well. Why don't you just ask us to say kung fu? Guess what? New plan. Group selfie. Ready, set, go. Boom. And looks awesome. You're going to love it. That's exactly it's, it's, it, it what others think yes. of American culture yep. right now. 100%. Show. Oh man, I saw uh, the Colts owner Jim Irsay being treated for uh, some some respiratory illness. That that stuff sucks, man. It's been going around and around and around and, and around. You don't want it. He's quote he's receiving excellent care. Looks forward to returning to the stage as soon as possible. Is what his team has said. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd much rather have. <laughs> I mean, I had COVID nineteen. Usually, it comes with some sort of respiratory stuff right a couple of weeks ago but i didn't have any of that i had a, I got, got lucky and had a mild case but man you i mean your kid got sick with the influenza a i'd boy i'd, I'd want covid 19 18 times in a row before I'd, I'd deal with the flu man so i hope uh jim ursay um uh, gets uh, gets better and uh recovers. sounds like it's pretty bad like to the point to where he had to be hospitalized you know oh, this isn't know just that. something you're at home you're coughing you're dealing with it Sounds like this is a little something. So, and again, he's not the youngest dude in the world. The boss man's done some living, to put it mildly. So, hopefully, he's going to be all right. Uh, say what you want about Jim Mersey. He does a ton of stuff for Indiana. Take the football stuff out of it, the charity aspect. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. So, hopefully, the boss man makes a recovery. Speaking of making recoveries, Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers. That was pretty scary last night. I was at the game, Pacers and the Celtics, and he slipped making a move. I mean, I, that looked like it hurt bad. Did the splits, the splits basically, yeah. and then just started holding his leg and had to be carried off the court. And man, you want to find out what it sounds like when all of the energy in a room gets sucked out? That was the field house last night. Because it was the Pacers, the Celtics, they're going back and forth. And for the second time, Halliburton slips in like the same area of the floor. Were they not those kids with the towels and the brooms? Were they not scrubbing that area of the floor down? Man, I don't Come know on. if it was that or maybe he had a new pair of shoes on because nobody else slipped in that area. It was just him. But for the second time, he did the splits after he, you know, kind of hit a slick spot. And. Turns out he now has a grade one left hamstring strain. It's not a tear, which is good, just a strain. So they're going to reevaluate him in about two weeks. So good news, bad news. Good news, it's not a tear. It's not season ending or anything like that. But he's going to be out, like you said, how many weeks? They, Looks I mean, like at least two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Pacers are about to go out west next week for a big western trip where you play some pretty good teams. That's going to be rough without Tyrese Halliburton. I thought it was funny. Uh, before the, um, the Michigan game last night, college football championship, Michigan and Washington, um, your old nemesis, Steve Entman. 
<laughs> Came out to the uh, middle of the field with some of the uh, some of the players. Washington great Steve Vettman, yeah. yes. You tell that story real quick while we're <laughs> So I went to the Indy 500 one year, and this is when Steve Vintman was uh, playing with the Miami Dolphins. You know, he had left the Colts already, but yeah. he's playing with the Dolphins, but clearly has ties here. So I'm walking across the infield with one of my buddies, and I accidentally bump into Steve Vintman. Ooh. Total accident. And he turns around, and he wants to throw down. And what? around him, and this is a true story. He has like four or five buddies, like his group. They all have his Dolphins football jersey on. <laughs> five dudes wearing oh. like the aqua green number 94. What's up, bro? Like they were what's up, bro, wants to fight entourage guys. What a bunch of jocks difference. You don't wear the the uniform of the guy you're walking around with, do you? If you're his friend <laughs> right. or in his, his posse, like, unless he makes you. Well, that could be true, but let's just say if you were a professional athlete, Nige, let's say you played for the Indianapolis Colts, I'm probably not walking next to you wearing your jersey. <laughs> I think that's kind of, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, my neighbors have asked for uh, Hammer and Nigel merch that they, they, they'd wear, um, which is available on the store, by the way. I direct them to our merch store. I, that's kind of the... I don't know that I think it was weird if one of my buddies stopped by and was wearing a Hammer and Nigel shirt. But that's like wearing the team, right? You can support the team, sure. but like if you're with that guy and you're wearing his jersey yeah. and you're looking to fight, <laughs> like, I don't know. Bunch of dudes like Turtle and Entourage ready to throw down. You should have just, Jerry Springer, just taken a dive at him, like just like an like a arrow. I still have my teeth, don't I? Yeah. That wouldn't have been the case had I challenged Steve Edmund to a fight. I can promise you that right boy. now. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Gray, rainy Tuesday here yeah. in Indy. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Nigel Crash Leskowski right across from me after a uh, little incident <laughs> on the roads earlier today. A little bump and run. Everybody's okay, though. Ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind, as uh, R. Kelly once <laughs> said before he got sent to prison. All right. Let's not waste any more time. Let's check in. With wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. I lost my Johnson. We're on track to cut First Lady in half. So if you've been looking at the polls, any of them that come out, whether it's a right-leaning group, left-leaning group, there's a lot of consistencies with both uh, polling outlets, right? Well, in terms of Biden, they're all disastrous. Right. Especially with the black community. Now, usually, Democrats can count on a lot of support from African-American voters. But right now, Biden is hemorrhaging numbers and support with black voters. Even Charlemagne the God the radio host who was on the receiving end of the world-famous, if you got black. a problem figuring out if you for me or Trump, then you ain't black. He has said that he's out on Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, his team of advisors, they thought, how can we fix this problem? How can we win back support of the African-American community? So Joe Biden took his folksy racism to a black church in South Carolina yesterday. Oh, there's a lot of cringeworthy moments here. 
And he did what he does best plagiarize someone else's speech to a Southern black church. So before we get to anything, let's take a trip down memory lane. Remember when Hillary Clinton spoke to a black church in South Carolina. Another cringy moment. She had this fake Southern accent and she quoted the lyrics of a famous gospel song, but that worked well for Hillary. Well, apparently Joe Biden thought, you know what? Hillary really resonated with that crowd. So I'm going to hijack the exact same lyrics and try to do the same speech to a black church in South Carolina. You're going to hear Hillary Clinton and you're going to hear Joe Biden both here. Take a listen. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. We've come too far from where we started. Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. My fellow Americans, I don't think the good Lord brought us this far to leave us behind. Now, it could be a coincidence that his favorite gospel song happened to be the same one Hillary Clinton did. He hasn't picked up a hymnal in 80 (laughs) years. What are you talking about, gospel song? He had no idea. Somebody wrote that for him. He probably didn't even know it was a song. And the person that gave him that idea probably saw the Hillary Clinton thing. Was probably a same staff member for Hillary. True. (laughs) Now, this takes us to great moments in Biden plagiarism history. Because my man's got a long history of ripping off other people's work. When campaigning in Iowa, back in the 80s, he ripped off the speech of a UK labor leader. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Gladys the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania don't come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform (laughs) upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. (laughs) I mean, this cat has been ripping people off his whole life. Like Claudine Gay thinks that Joe Biden needs to pump the brakes on plagiarism just a little bit. <laughs> you know, Biden yesterday also kept saying he spent more time in some church in Wilmington in Delaware, and that's where I started the civil rights movement. A complete lie. None of that is true. Just another example. I mean, for God's sake, he had to drop out of a presidential campaign in 1988 for plagiarism accusations. And nothing has changed. He hasn't learned anything at all. Now, can we go back to Hillary for just a second? Because Do we have that, to? <laughs> sorry. Playing that clip of her on the campaign trail back in like 2015, where she has that fake Southern accent, reminded me that she does that all the time, too. Like the way Joe Biden rips people off. That's his thing. <laughs> Hillary Clinton using a fake Southern accent to pander for votes in the South. That's kind of her thing. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be 
Reverend Green, when those bones get up, and when that spirit is breathed into them. You know, I've heard Corey preach. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mrs. Sewell, you know. I mean, he, 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 you just get ready. It's embarrassing. I mean, that's so obvious. Now, she was an elected official from, you know, multiple places, right? Like, she claims Illinois. She claims New York. She claims Arkansas. There may be a little Southern girl in her, but the only time you ever hear that accent come out, Reverend Green, (laughs) is when she's speaking to a Southern black church. When those bones get up. I was waiting for her to get a banjo out and start playing it. Like, would you start talking like a backwoods redneck uh, hillbilly if you went to like a church in Appalachia? <laughs> I don't mean no two ways forward. <laughs> Spits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're, that's what you're trying to do. Sorry, I'm up here making some shine <laughs> up here. Hope y'all don't mind. Uh, Chicago mayor. <sighs> I didn't think it was possible. For anybody to be worse than old Beetlejuice. Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. But this guy, like if Lori Lightfoot is at the bottom of the barrel, if you lift up the barrel and look underneath said barrel, (laughs) you'll find Mayor Johnson. He is arguing that what Governor Abbott's doing in Texas by sending all of the folks crossing the border that are coming into his state to sanctuary cities like Chicago, it's attacking leaders of color. Oh, racism. We're pulling the race card here? Right. You're sending all the illegal immigrants to my city because I'm black. That's what it is? New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, all black mayors. Good old race card. When all else fails, you pull that card. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. All of those cities made it a point to remind everybody we're sanctuary cities. When Donald Trump was the president and everybody was running wild with kids in cages, right? Sure. They were the first ones to come out. You should come here. We're sanctuary cities because it was their chance to get one over on Donald Trump. Oh, uh, we would never turn I turn you over to ICE. And now they're saying, for the love of God, stop coming here. And you're only doing this because we're black. Like, This wasn't some sort of 15, 20-year progression. This happened in like three and a half years time frame. They went from sanctuary city to stop coming here, sweet mother of God, you must hate us because we're black. And I'm telling you, Chicago's mayor, he's hearing a lot of crap from his own constituents. Yes. We've played plenty of sound bites from uh, citizens in certain communities in Chicago that are fed up with the illegal immigrants that are being bussed in. And the only thing I don't hear is guys like Mayor Johnson say, uh, it's Joe Biden's policies that are doing this. Maybe use your vote at the ballot box this November. They don't say anything like that. They blame the governor of Texas. Right. The white governor of Texas. It's his fault. Nige, if you need a reason to drink tonight, if the state of the state address by Governor Holcomb isn't enough for you, how about this? <laughs> 40 years ago today, on this date, in 1984, Van Halen released one of the oh, greatest yeah. albums of all time, 1984, yeah. which featured Jump, 
Panama, I'll Wait, and Hell Hot yeah. for Teacher all on one album. One of the greatest of all time. So in honor of this album, I got a couple mashups here for you. Huh? Tell me if any of these do anything for you. Here is Jump by Van Halen, kind of mashed up with the old Hank Williams classic country song, Your Cheating Heart. Cheating Hearts mashed with Jump. This is Michael Jackson's I'm Bad mashed up with Hot for Teacher. I see. See what they did there. Right? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. of everyday things that people do that are super disrespectful is making its rounds. Stuff like, all right, tell me if you think this is super disrespectful. Abandoning stuff in a store, like in the wrong place or the wrong shelf. You have something, you, you like a t-shirt or something, and you're walking down the milk aisle. She's <laughs> like, I don't want this t-shirt anymore. And put the, you know, you put it in the freezer or something like I that. I don't think that's super disrespectful. It might keep somebody employed. You know, who knows? A lot of these <laughs> stores, they're going to all automation. They need people to go up and down the aisle Maybe. to uh, make yeah. things organized. Or you could just, if you're too lazy to return it to where you got it, just hand it to the cashier at checkout. Yeah, yeah but then she's, or he's got to go back and put it up. Yeah. What's the difference? Somebody walks down an aisle or somebody else walks down an aisle? Uh, what about parents who let their kids run amok in public spaces like restaurants and don't do anything about it? Oh, that's a big one for me. Whether it's a restaurant or a wedding. Like, I've DJed so many weddings where oh, even yeah. during the ceremony, where, you know, this is the most important part. They're reciting their vows, the, you know, the rings. Little Johnny SOB is running around in the aisle and the parents think it's cute. No, get off your lazy backside and do some damn parenting. List of everyday things that people do that are super disrespectful. Not flushing the toilet in the public bathrooms okay so <laughs> i will play devil's advocate with that what if you don't want to touch the handle of the toilet in the public bathroom are you supposed to lift your foot up and kick the handle to flush it because that sounds like a lot of work if i if i'm if i'm i don't have the flexibility to do that at a urinal <laughs> true <laughs> but usually i will flush the toilet with my foot in a stall all right so allison let me defer to you <laughs> we have a unisex bathroom right across the hall we're now sharing this with all of those credence from the fan who have moved down here on our floor too, our sister sports station you walk into that bathroom like it's an emergency you can't wait anymore you use the restroom do you want to touch that handle to flush it? <laughs> I don't even want to 
touch the sink. I, I it's so gross Al, in there. Al, Alice, I, I will stop I, going in there. I, I, I don't because I'm, I'm afraid of what's in there. Um, but I use my foot. To, yes, I, I'll use my foot to flush. Oh, I, just I think, think that's it's fine. so funny that she will not. Re- she refuses to go into this unisex bathroom right across the hallway here. It's so funny, guys. It's so bad. It was I, gross I can't, I can't before. Even, it was gross before, but now it's just it's worse. And I don't know why it's so gross. We're all grown adults around here. We're professionals. You know, this <laughs> industry is hard to get into. You've had to work hard to get into. You know, being a radio host or a producer or a news sure. anchor. You know, people want to steal your jobs every day. So why would you go in there and just pee on the floor? Why do you bring your own squatty potty to work? Right. And why would somebody pee on said squatty potty and leave it? The squatty potty thing is true. I've seen it with my own eyes. So there's somebody brought a squatty potty in. And they left it in there. So was it like community squatty potty? I guess so. I never, I, never, I never used it. And I think mainly it's the news people. That's who I really think that just make a mess of that bathroom. That news. People like Harrison Silcox, <laughs> who happens to have the news coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Jason Hammer right over there. My name is Nigel. We'll go to the hotline and bring on Senator Mike Braun, also running for governor of Indiana this year. Uh, Senator... I think one of the biggest issues facing voters this year is the border, no question. I, I've seen numbers like these ever. I mean, December, 300,000 illegal immigrants through that poor southern border. So after this interview, I understand, you're, are you headed to the floor to try to pass a, some sort of no-confidence motion on defense, uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas? And, and yep. what are you seeing down there? What's going on? You'll, you'll see that about uh, 5 o'clock. There'll be a f- uh, four or five of us senators down there. Uh, talking about it on the floor. But I was there a couple months ago. I went down with 24 sheriffs from Indiana because the whole issue on the border is now impacting all states. When you've got the loudest mouths against border policies being the mayor of New York City and uh, the Chicago mayor saying enough is enough, uh, that's uh, bad. And the only reason they're now taking it halfway seriously is because it's got him underwater, you know, leading into the uh, presidential election in 24. So I I call that very, very late to the game. But no, the number of gotaways, the people that don't want to meet the Border Patrol, that's up to 60 thousand, I think, a month. These are numbers that, to put them in perspective, during the best part of the Trump years, it was about 15,000 a month and was generally averaging 40 to 50. And it really started working then when you had the stay in Mexico policy. There wasn't a thing called parole and uh, you weren't inviting people to come into the border. And now, you know, Biden uh, you know, orchestrated all of this, coldly calculating that sooner or later, every illegal immigrant would become a voter. And I think that's backfired, too, because many of those demographics are going for Trump, not Biden. Yeah. Senator, should Alejandro Mayorkas be impeached? He should be. I was one of the first senators that called for that. Uh, Looks like they're going to proceed with that in the House. Um, I think there's a good chance he gets impeached there. But if that doesn't occur, I think it's incumbent on all of us. And there are certain tools we can use as senators, and we're going to exercise that here shortly. And that's to keep the – I don't like it when people do about faces. 
on issues when they orchestrated the problems in the first place. And now, because it's a big albatross around their political neck, uh, then they get sanctimonious and, you know, want to do things. And then even if they don't implement them, well, they'll say, well, they tried to. And then probably blame it on Republicans when it doesn't work. They're good at that. we got to be faster footed at that ourselves. Okay, so for argument's sake here, let's say that Mayorkas is removed. He's impeached or even resigns. Does anything change? Because it feels like even though Mayorkas may be a total zero, he's getting his marching orders from higher in the food chain. And it goes to the point I made earlier. Even if all that occurs, uh, they're now at the point where someone is going to have to be the sacrificial lamb on this because of the political. It has now gone, I think, uh, when I talk to Hoosiers, many other states, it's at or more serious than the sugar-high economy and inflation and all that stuff, which is normally always going to be the number one issue. I think it's eclipsed that. They know it, and now they're between a rock and a hard place. The progressive side of their party doesn't want to really do anything. Uh, The White House is wanting to do something now. The liberal Democratic senators are the ones dragging their feet. I think they'll come along because when Trump is up in the swing states by three, five, six points, that's as bad a news as it could be now. And you can blame it half on the border, half on the economy. And then they've got a host of other bad policies that have weighed into enough is enough. What do you think of this uh, congressional deal this top line spending agreement, another one one and a half trillion, one point six trillion federal spending deal. Um, you know, basically averting another another partial government shutdown. I mean, is this is there anything in this deal about border security? I'm assuming not, but I haven't looked at it yet. No, because the border security has been leveraged against the supplemental uh, foreign aid bills, which would be Ukraine, yeah. okay. uh, Israel, and Taiwan. Uh, this is just the normal malaise of this place where since I've been here on the budget committee, it's a useless appendage in the U.S. Senate because we don't do any budgeting. Uh, the last three years under Democratic control, it's been on one issue after another, mostly related to climate. But guys, we haven't done a budget that we've adhered to uh, since the Clinton years, and that was Newt Gingrich, and and then the amount of debt was so much less, and it was a big deal then. We started really piling on debt in the Bush years, we put two wars on the credit card, went from $5 trillion to $10 trillion. Obama doubled down, went from 10 to $16 trillion. And then we were running trillion-dollar deficits annually. You had CARES Act and COVID. Now we're $34 trillion in debt, and we're borrowing a trillion dollars every six months, not just annually. Sad state of affairs. Senator Mike Braun joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show here in just a few moments. He will be going to the floor uh, to discuss what's happening at the border. Uh, Senator is also running for governor of the state of Indiana. Senator, you mentioned earlier that what's happening at the border is a big talking point for a lot of people. Is that the biggest thing that Hoosiers are concerned with? Like, what have Hoosiers told you are their biggest issues in their lives? 
Well, you've always got state-specific issues, and then you've got the general national issues. The big national issues would be the mountain of debt, the sugar-high economy, inflation, and, of course, they spend that they were calling it Bidenomics until that backfired on them. Border is now equal to it. But when you look at the state, uh, then you get into issues like uh, where are we at in terms of raising a family? Do we have values uh, in our state that are be, being reflected in our state government? Those are kind of amorphous, but you've got particular issues like having some of the highest health care costs in the country with some of the poorest outcomes. You've got kids still reading at levels that they did 10 years ago. Half our budget is spent on K through 12 education. And when I travel, visit all 92 counties, two thirds of the jobs just need a better high school education. And we don't really gear kids to have basic life skills. So workforce education, healthcare costs, rural broadband needs to be into every nook and cranny in our rural state. Young couples aren't going to move back to their hometowns if they can't, uh, you know, open up a PDF or stream a movie. That is moving at a decent pace. It should be better. Child care and being able to tease people back into the workforce related to high child care costs, that needs to have an entrepreneurial look given to it. Affordable housing, those are more state issues. We don't want the feds involved in that anyway. They just create problems and cause red tape and accomplish nothing. Senator, what about the taxes taxes here in Indiana? Because that's one of the things Nigel and I hear a lot from our listeners. On one hand, you've got you know the current governor and his group bragging about this big massive surplus. At the same time, there's the gas tax. There's a property tax issue. I think a lot of Hoosiers feel like they're being taxed to hell and then having this big surplus rubbed in their face. Has that been a talking point for the people that you've spoken with? Especially property taxes leading up uh, from COVID because the system was based upon a market value until you've got the federal government that skews it all out of place. And I think we, if I had been governor, I would have tried to lead the legislature into where you could not have had property taxes, your bill go up any more than the growth of the economy. Some bills have gone up 15 to 20%. And for fixed incomes, that really makes things tough. When it comes to our income tax, which is a third of our state revenue, everyone uh, wants to bring that down. I don't think anybody running for the Republican side of uh, wanting to be our governor, uh, if you're not there, I don't know where you've been, but then it begs the question, how do you do it? One of my opponents has said, ax attacks. She said to walk that back because it would create too big a hole. But yes, if you've got surpluses that are chronic and you don't have a good return on investment, not to mention that I'll go through every agency we've got, 30,000 employees, to make sure they're running efficiently. I think if you run them efficiently, you could probably, over a period of years, finance a tax cut that would maybe take us down to a zero-income tax state. It's uh, it's kind of uh, flippant to say that you could ax it. But yes, there's a lot of room. We watch our dollars and cents. Doesn't mean you can't do it better. And if you're generating too much money, it needs to not come to the government. It needs to stay in the taxpayer's pocket. Finally, Senator, basic, simple question here. Why yeah. do you why do you want to run for governor? 
of Indiana. I mean, you've you've trudged your way through the swamp for the past uh, six years. You have a, a crowded field here in the GOP in Indiana, and uh, you've done obviously well with yourself, well for yourself with your businesses and things like that. What's what's the motivating factor here for you? Well, I probably told you guys before, but I wasn't going to do the Senate gig for more than two terms. I'm a big believer in term limits at the federal level, and I would have never reneged on that. Then you look at the fork in the road. If you do want to stay in uh, government service for a while, I mean, I was in the private sector for 37 years. Uh, you got a fork in the road. If you want to come back and be the CEO of a state, run it in a way that's going to keep our values in place, make it more efficient, invest in the things that really need to be done. I've observed we generally get people from the farm system of politics that make it into running our state. And to me, that's where I spent most of my time before I got into the Senate was running something. I think I can be more productive back here. And I listen and I learn. I travel the state and I think I get a good feel for what makes Indiana tick. He is on his way to the floor to discuss what is happening at our southern border. Senator Mike Braun from Indiana. Senator, I know you got a lot of stuff to do. We always appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's always to be. Uh, it's always good to be on your show. Always enjoy it. Thank you. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Damn how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You simply tell us if it's anything or not. It's pretty simple. I think I already know the answer to this one, but I'm going to run it by you anyway. All right. Is this anything? A man who was pulled over after a hit and run had to be persuaded by the police to remove the meth from his anus. Oh. Is there anything on you, dude? Use your words. Here's the thing, too. You didn't give it a, a quick note. So that means you have something. You just don't want to say it. We're going to find it. So you just help us out and just tell, where it's, just tell us where it's at. Is it in or between the cheeks? Between the cheeks. Okay. <laughs> what kind of underwear are you wearing? So you'd be able to kind of like jiggle it out down your life for us? Can you pick your butt with your hand? Hey, if we take him to jail, he admitted to having it. We'll let them know that he's got booty dope. Will that be fine? So much going on there. So many great words and terminology. Booty dope. Did not know that was the official term for that. Well, I got to tell you something. If, if one thing is for sure, I know that I've never done it before, but meth must be one hell of a drug. <laughs> the lengths people go to to buy it, to use it, to sell it booty dope i mean the cop you even heard the police officer say hey yeah can you just pick your butt so you, <laughs> so we don't have to that i bet that's not what the cop was expecting when he was well maybe it was who knows depending on what side of town he patrols wherever this happened and if you are ever at the point in your life where you have to be persuaded <laughs> to remove the meth from your anus. It's time to make some different life choices. Well, if you're at the point in your life where you're inserting meth in your anus. That too. <laughs> it's probably time for some, you know, maybe just a quick reevaluation. Right. Something's got to change. <laughs> Booty dope. Cop goes, can you just pick your butt? So what kind of underwear are you wearing? Is it in your cheeks? Sounds like the name oh. of like a, an album Bell Bib DeVoe would put out in like the 90s. Booty dope. Is this anything? 
A little feud between Jimmy Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers continuing. Oh, yeah. Kimmel ripped Aaron Rodgers on his show last night for suggesting he may or may not have been associated with Jeffrey Epstein. And here's the part of the rant he discusses about Aaron Rodgers' ego. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself. Because he had success on the football field, he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. We learned during COVID, somehow he knows more about science than scientists. A guy who went to community college, then got into Cal on a football scholarship and didn't graduate, someone who never spent a minute studying the human body, is an expert in the field of immunology. He just put on a, he put on a magic helmet and he, that G made him a genius. It's, Aaron got two A's on his report card. They were both in the word Aaron, okay? That seemed more personal than anything else. Right. That's not much comedy there at now, all. This is how that little rant ultimately um, went on. If you are a member of a group that think it's okay to randomly call someone a child molester because you don't like what that person has to say, maybe you should rethink being a part of that group. Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers, who has done the impossible. He made the New York Jets look even worse. By the way, the New York Jets, that's completely bogus. The New York Jets voted Aaron Rodgers Inspirational Player of the Year on their team. Right. All the players had a vote, and they picked him. They could care less about whatever's going on. And so finally, today, Aaron Rodgers back on the Pat McAfee show. Just got this off YouTube. Uh, Here is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, It was a lengthier response. I cut it down to about 30 seconds. You know, I think it's impressive that a man who went to uh, Arizona State and has 10 uh, joke writers can read off a prompter. So, you know, my education at JUCO and my three semesters at Cal that I'm very proud of uh, has worked out for me, and I'm glad to see it's worked out for him as well. So I wish him the best. Again, I, I don't give a shit what he says about me. Um, but as long as he understands what I actually said and uh, that I'm not accusing him of uh, being, uh, being on a list, then I'm all for moving forward. There's a response from Aaron Rodgers. Was that a walk back at all? Because Aaron Rodgers never said Jimmy Kimmel was on the list, but he kind of implied it. It seemed like some sort of implication, but that's not. I mean, he goes through exactly what he said and how he said it through the context. I, if I was Jimmy Kimmel, I, I understand probably I'd be a little upset if somebody publicly said that about me. Uh, so, yeah, it's just drama, whatever. I, I still think. And then it's funny because McAfee. Like, he basically doubled down and said, you know, wasn't there, wasn't he saying something about how the ESPN, the executives were trying to sabotage his show? Oh, yeah. One specific producer, and he yeah. named his name. And he doubled down on it. And then ESPN basically said, hey, uh, I don't know. They issued some sort of apology having to do with McAfee and Aaron Rodgers, but that th- they didn't walk anything back or anything like that. So I think McAfee won in this situation. Right. ESPN needs McAfee more than McAfee needs ESPN. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. So tomorrow, Trump is doing a 
town hall style interview on Fox instead of that two person debate on CNN between Haley and DeSantis. DeSantis doing a town hall on Fox tonight. What does more for you? I'll pose you the same question you did me off the air. What does more for you tonight? Holcomb State of the State, a DeSantis town hall, IU Rutgers. <laughs> I can't say IU and Rutgers with enough energy to let you know that's my choice. <laughs> IU Rutgers. Tonight? I'm going to listen to it here on 93 WIBC. Pre-game begins at 6. Yes. And if you want to watch it, it's on Peacock tonight. Not on Big Ten uh, or ESPN or Fox. It's on Peacock tonight. And I think Purdue is on Peacock tonight as well. But, yeah, that's the order for me. It's IU <laughs> Followed by doing the dishes, <laughs> followed by cleaning the house, and then maybe this town hall on Fox. And then at the very wow. bottom of the barrel, the state of the state addressed okay. Hulk up tonight. All right. Like, no. there's nothing Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis I or know. even Donald Trump, for that matter, can tell us now that we don't already know. That's why it floors me when we hear about these undecided voters. What are you undecided about? They've been saying the same things for the better portion of a year now. Donald Trump for like six years now, almost seven. Why are you undecided? I would say Trump town is it, the town hall for Trump is tomorrow, right? Right. And you he's said, competing okay. against that CNN okay. debate where it's really just a one on one of DeSantis and Haley, which might be fun because they don't like each other. That would be the only reason I would watch uh, Trump. I'm still entertained by Trump. I don't know if that makes good makes it a good reason why I would watch. But we're watching his, for entertainment value, <laughs> yeah, right? Instead of learning something about the candidate. You want DeSantis and Haley to fight. Yes. You want Donald Trump to say, you know, some porn star is a horse face. <laughs> Policy-wise, there's nothing we're going to learn that's new. Absolutely not. So last night, Nikki Haley did her town hall on Fox because they're it. rolling him out one right after the other. And she got basically called out because she lied about her statements in regards to the age of Social Security. Governor DeSantis is hitting you for claiming the retirement age is, quote, way, way too low. He said, quote, I don't know why she's saying that. So are you saying that? Where do I you have stand never once said that. Never yeah. once said that. With the exception of like a week or so ago on Bloomberg. 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. We need to do it according to life expectancy. Well, She's you, been a you, mess. Yeah, with the civil rights thing or the Civil War thing and slavery and those comments. Right. It's been then, one gaffe after the other. She might as well be an unofficial Biden with the gaffes that she's been making lately. Yeah, but that right there, that was blatant. That happens at every debate she's in or every town hall. She goes up there, says one thing, and then there's clear video from not that long ago that can refute what she just said. And from what we're hearing, like the reports from the road, is that Nikki Haley's team, her election team, they've been shortening her campaign stops in Iowa. Like today, she only spoke for 15 minutes in Waukee and did not take questions from the audience. And a lot of reports are saying it's because Nikki Haley's election team is concerned about all the gaffes she's been making. Here's Bill Malusian, who's in Iowa. 
Voters have taken notice of it. She's had a series of gaffes over the last 10 days. And it's not just voters taking notice. It's the Trump campaign and the DeSantis campaign as well. They have both been jumping on her for those comments with DeSantis saying he feels she's being disrespectful to voters here in Iowa. You know, I think the DeSantis-Haley debate on CNN would be much more interesting with Vivek. Uh, it's kind of what they did, what CNN did, was made it incredibly difficult for the other candidates to appear on stage. Now, I understand what they're trying to do. There's some candidates that don't need, like Chris Christie. Who cares what that nobody has to say? But I like Vivek. I would consider voting for him in the GOP primary. Really? Uh, absolutely. I like everything about him, uh, including his, his, his policies overseas, foreign policy, Ukraine. Um, I, I, I really, really like that guy. But it's going to be a one-on-one DeSantis and Nikki Haley. At the same time, Donald Trump is doing a town hall with Fox, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum. Now, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago. Trump and Brett Baer had a little beef back and forth. They don't really like each other, or at least Donald Trump doesn't like Brett Baer. I don't know if Brett Baer feels the same way, but uh, Donald Trump had a little beef with Brett Baer. So, again, I don't expect anybody to learn anything tomorrow. That's the thing. What are we going to learn? Nothing. And if you're an undecided voter, did you just, one, wake up from a coma, or two, just decide to switch parties? Because there's no reason, after all of these debates and town halls and with social media being available oh, free yeah. to anybody, you should be undecided at this point. What are you going to learn? Um, the FAA has ordered airlines to ground more than a 170 Boeing 737 MAX 9 jets Ooh, yeah. after that Alaska Airlines debacle. That was crazy. Where basically a panel on the side just blew off yeah, in the middle door. of the flight. Friggin' door blew off. And they're all just sitting there like it's normal. Right. Have you seen the footage of this? That's amazing to me. My wife said the same thing. Like, I'm kind of a nervous flyer anyway. Like, we hit turbulence. Oh, yeah. I white knuckle it a little bit. I don't like it. These people are sitting there just enjoying their cocktail, watching their phones. (laughs) The door is missing on the plane. (laughs) Like, I'd be in full panic mode. You'd have to put the straight jacket on me. Um, It's amazing nobody died. I had read, I don't know if it's true or not, but there were people that were missing in some seats that were around that door that missed their flight. Oh, wow. I don't know if that is... Somebody can tell me if that's true on uh, on social media, at Hammer and Nigel. I, I heard that if these people would have shown up for their flight, they probably would have been dead. But I, I don't know if that's some sort of urban legend around what had happened here with this particular airplane. Somebody that was on that flight is a passenger named Evan Smith. Here he is. It was about as wide as a refrigerator and about as high as two-thirds of a refrigerator in height. There was a really loud bang towards the left rear of the plane and a whooshy noise, and all the air masks dropped. Just kind of sit there. It's not anything I have any control over. And it's just wait and see what happens. How calm is that guy? I'd be yeah. freaking out. Yeah. You put a camera in my face. Like, I know Guy Relford. Like, we had him on the show yesterday, and he always tells his clients, don't speak to the press right. after a dramatic event. If they put the camera on me, <laughs> the door blew off. The freaking door blew off in the middle of the air. You know, they found on the, the ground, in addition, they, when they wound up finding the door, they also found an iPhone that survived a $16,000 or 16,000 foot drop. 
If I were Apple, I'd put that yeah, in my commercials. Absolutely. If the door blows feet. off of your plane, our, <laughs> our phones will survive. You may not. But I would our say will. I would like to think that after the initial shock of what happened, and you know the plane is descending under ten thousand feet, and everybody's okay. I would like to think I'd be kind of curious and, and just, just kind of watching outside the airplane. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would be kind of, okay, this, all right, we're going to survive. This is kind of cool. Plane's missing a door. We're going to land. You'd be talking yourself yeah. into being positive. Can I, can I get a double? A stoli, please? I'd be looking out the door to see what else is going to fall off. <laughs> yeah. Is the wing next? <laughs> What's going to happen? Uh, Allison, please turn your microphone on. I have a couple of important questions for you. Allison is the amazing producer here at the Hammer and Nigel show. Do you like rubber chickens? <laughs> Who doesn't? Do you like donkeys, Allison? I love donkeys. I want you to listen to this person's donkey, this lady's donkey, go wild over a big rubber chicken squeak toy, okay? This woman in Arkansas... She has a whole TikTok account. Oh, yeah. Dedicated it's to her pet donkey. Just for her donkey. And it's pretty popular. And people send, don't people send gifts and stuff? Yeah, they send her things through the mail from all over the country. For the donkey. <laughs> Here she is gifting her pet donkey a new big rubber chicken squeak toy. Good afternoon, donkey. I got you something in the mail today from New York. Do you see it? Look, this is from Jennifer in New York. <laughs> is it big? <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like the women on the view after Trump wins the next election. Alright, I want you to stop that. Yeah, that's Joy Behar, there's no doubt. Now, devil's advocate here yes. to prove that we're equal, you know, opportunity offenders here. I want you to close your eyes and visualize Chris Christie walking up to the old country buffet. Good afternoon, Donkey. I got you something in the mail today from New York. This is from Jennifer. She's walking by the chicken, the mashed potatoes, the chocolate fountain. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Are we bowling on Friday or what? We doing this? We are. We've got our show live at Woodland Bowl on the north side. Our broadcast starts at 3 o'clock. So if you want to come by and hang out with us and celebrate Beer Sample Friday and all the things that go along with it, stop by, man. Let's pack that joint. All the Hammer and Nigel Show Nation, we need you out in numbers this Friday as we broadcast live at Woodland Bowl. And then after our show is over, because I think we have a short show due to IU basketball. I think it ends at 5.30. Our charity bowling event, Red, White, and Bowl, yeah. starts at 7 o'clock. Yeah. And that is sponsored by Jack Daniels. Starts at 6. 
Six. Six o'clock. Let's go. And um, the, see, now that portion of the event is sold out, but there's no reason you can't show up at three o'clock and just kind of hang, hang out for the broadcast or, or get a bowling lane during that portion, right? Right. Good and old fashioned tailgate with us, man. Starting at three Jack o'clock. Daniels. Oh, boy. I'm Thompson gonna... Furniture, our pals who sponsor Beer Sample Friday, uh, there are rumors that they're bringing some awesome door prizes. Uh, Spence has a team uh, in the tournament. Yeah. It's not a tournament. I guess it's just, you Just know, an event. Just, just, a, just a, a, fundraiser, a fundraiser, really. Yeah, it is a fundraiser. We're raising some money for uh, veterans with a Bowling for Veterans link. That's the bowling event that starts after our show. But again, every time we've done a road show, Nige, whether it's putters in Shelbyville or Thompson Furniture and Mattress down in Columbus, Hammer and Nigel Show Nation has showed out in bunches, uh, yeah. like in mass. So let's get a bunch of people there on uh, Friday and uh, have a good time live starting at three o'clock Woodland Bowl on the north side. It's one of those things where I'm going to have to Uber to work again. <laughs> yeah my yeah. wife was like hey i'll just meet you there and i go well can you can you like just drop me off downtown i'll hit a ride with hammer or something she's like no i'm not gonna do that like i don't want to have two cars there right because well, we got neighbors and stuff coming they're all gonna have a good time i'm gonna be with a bunch of hammer and nigel fans that are very rowdy that like to buy drinks oh okay so all right so you either drop me off downtown and i'll ride there with you or you take me back to 96 and Keystone on Saturday to pick up the truck. Yeah, I'm not taking you back on Saturday. <laughs> and what's great is my son, who's got a lane, oh. is bowling with his uh, college teammates. And so you get a driver. I got a driver, Bastard. baby. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, coming up on Friday. Really, really looking forward to that. If you can make it out. Even if it's just for a little bit, stop by, tailgate with us. We'll talk some shop. We'll talk some smack. We'll make fun of some trolls. We'll do it together. We'll do it live. Uh, 3 o'clock, starting at Woodland Bowl this Friday. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Oh, man, those pesky respiratory viruses, man. Uh, Colts owner Jim Irsay being treated for a some sort of respiratory illness. Quote, receiving excellent care and looking forward to returning to the stage as soon as possible, the uh, the Irsay team said. Man, those respiratory viruses, we were just talking about it yesterday. They're vicious. They're going around. I'd much rather have COVID-19, um, the, the mild version that I got a couple of weeks ago, than whatever uh, is going around this building, whatever my mom had. She had, like, a couple different things going. We heard um, from that uh, doctor in the UK, in Cambridge, yes, yes, that stated clip. what's happening right now is it's one virus meeting another. Like, you could have one type yeah. of flu bug getting with something else. Nasty, nasty. It's not even really COVID-heavy. It's flu-heavy right now. So, you were at the Pacer game last night. What was your, from your perspective, it looked like you had pretty good seats. Um, did you see the Halliburton injury up close? Were you able to assess? Yeah, man. And it was the second time that... That he slipped on this spot on the floor. Were they just not scrubbing that floor very well? Well, he was the only one that was slipping, though. Like, nobody else had those issues under the basket. So, I'm wondering, 
if he had a different type of shoe on. Somebody on Twitter yeah. said he was rocking out a new uh, pair of Kobe shoes or something. Okay. I don't know if that's true or not, but the second time he slipped, he did the splits, and he had to get carried off the floor. And I'm telling you, it was a pretty big crowd last night. That place was dead. Ooh. All the energy sucked yeah. out of the room seeing Halliburton getting carried off the floor. It sucks. Pacers rallied, and they won. They beat the Celtics last night. But uh, the big news is Tyrese Halliburton, he had an MRI earlier today. Grade 1 left hamstring strain. Not a tear, but a strain. They're going to reevaluate him in a, about two weeks. So... So he's 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 on the bench for two weeks. He's yeah. he's healing up. He ain't playing for a while. And Pacers, man, they got a tough Western trip coming up. You know that West Coast trip is always challenging. And now you don't have your all everything point guard. So hopefully they can tread water and be all right when he comes back. Plus, selfishly. With Indianapolis hosting the All-Star game. Oh, I know, yeah. I want Halliburton yes. here. Like, he was lined up to be a starter. You know, fans were voting for Number him. Number one voting in the East, I believe. Getting yeah. national recognition. So, hopefully that uh, hammy heals up pretty quickly. We have an update okay. on AOC, which means we need the official AOC music. I didn't know where that was going. I, we haven't had the official AOC theme music for a while, but I get it. I see what you did there. So, a lot of times, <laughs> when AOC speaks, you try not to laugh because it's nonsense coming out of her mouth. And here's another edition of Try Not to Laugh, Nige. Okay. Okay. So, as the Republicans, you know, are inquiring about the Biden impeachment and they plan to move forward with impeaching the DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro, Alejandro! AOC, your socialist sweetheart, is accusing the Republicans of, quote, politically weaponizing impeachment. What they're using and what they're doing is taking impeachment and taking all of the most serious procedures that we have as a country, <laughs> and they're learning to use it for political, they're politically weaponizing it. We learned from the best, you moron. For an election purpose, for a political purpose. Wow. And in doing so, they are putting the people of this country, everyday Americans, absolutely at the bottom of the barrel, uh -huh. and they're putting themselves first. It's a selfishness that sure. that really endangers this country. It endangers our electoral process. It endangers our legal process. It's deeply cynical, and it's done to reelect themselves and line their own pockets. <laughs> I lost the contest. Yes, I was laughing through that whole thing. AOC talking about the uh, the weaponization of impeachment. Right. Somewhere Don, Donald Trump's like, yeah, I understand exactly <laughs> what you're saying, AOC. And the I thing about you. her she's so stupid i don't think she understands that people are no, laughing no, at she her doesn't. because of that statement right like i'm old enough to remember when members of the democratic party would go on the record of saying quote if we don't impeach this president meaning donald trump he's going to win re-election like, that was a go-to statement that's, that's you heard on the floor of the House of Representatives. And that's exactly what AOC was saying there in that statement. I mean, that's basically, that's the exact same thing she was railing against, the same thing Democrats have said uh, time and time again.
about impeachment. So to recap, for those of you scoring at home, AOC says the GOP impeaching DHS and FJB like DJT and Bill Clinton when he was down with OPP should be DOA because the USA shouldn't weaponize impeachment. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page Thank there. Thank you. Um, are you into this little Twitter feud between Elon Musk and Mark Cuban, Nige? Um, I don't care about it because it's... I know you no, like a good I, feud. That's I, why I was curious. Yeah, I like a good feud. Sure. I mean, I've been paying attention to it a little bit. Basically, Elon Musk is saying DEI is a scam and diversity, it's equity, equity, inclusion. It's a it's a grift. And Mark Cuban says, "No, nah, he's all in." And <laughs> Mark Cuban and Elon Musk have been having a little spirited back and forth here. And we'll talk to our pal Jerry Lopez, Spanglish, coming up here uh, just a few minutes, a little bit after 5.30. We'll get his thoughts on this. But, yeah, I like it when rich guys fight. Because <laughs> they got big followings, man. That's fine, but maybe get into the ring instead of doing it on Twitter. Well, weren't we supposed to have Elon Musk v. Zuckerberg yes, at some point? That, that fell apart, though. But Zuckerberg took that really seriously. Oh, yeah. Like he went yeah, to the I think gym. he injured himself, though. <laughs> I like it when rich guys and nerds fight. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Elon Musk, a new report in the Wall Street Journal says oh. leaders at Tesla and SpaceX are worried that illegal drugs are behind Elon Musk's erratic behavior this is, so, this is so dumb. You read that article, there is no sources, there are no people on the record, there are no people off the record. They just have one sentence that says witnesses have seen Elon Musk use drugs. It's really kind of shoddy reporting, and I'm surprised it's coming from the Wall Street Journal. No evidence whatsoever. Elon Musk categorically denies all this. So, with that being said, you know, this story claiming that quote, illegal drug use could put government contracts with SpaceX at risk. Hammer and Nigel Records decided uh, to put a little something together in honor of what's going on. If you want to keep up with Elon Musk cocaine (laughs) That would probably explain why his tweets are strange cocaine no evidence in that article, by the way. None. He doesn't have to take trips in his rocket ships. Cocaine. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, I've had enough of this. Okay, let's begin. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Whoa. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel So, just like Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, Tulsi Gabbard, Jim Rome has announced a new ex-Twitter exclusive type show. Are you okay with this? Everybody knows who Jim Rome is, right? Right. So, Don, Tulsi, and Jim Rome all came out today and said they are exclusively signing deals for their video stuff to go to X. Who's going to buy Don Lemon? But here's the thing. This is why I'm okay with this. People who don't like Don Lamont, and I fall into that category, we've got this amazing option. It's called (laughs) not watching his show. But the people who love Don Lamont's show on CNN, they want to Tucker Carlson off the air. Like, 
just not watching him wasn't good enough. They wanted him fired. They wanted him removed. They want him thrown into a crate and locked up somewhere, kind of like the end of Indiana Jones. But I'm happy with this. This is fine. The more options out there, the better. Now, Jim Rome was very careful to word that this was going to be his video streaming show. I mean, he's still on a radio, isn't he? Right. I still think he's going to do a radio show, but any I mean, sort of video is exclusive to Twitter. That's bread and butter. I mean, that's his. I mean, I remember being in my 20s and buying three different radios for my the house that I lived in, all so I could listen to Jim Rome while I was in the shower, while I was in the kitchen, and while I was in my bedroom. He was like, really? Kind of the first ever exposure I got to sports talk radio with, that had an edge to it. Right. And that was in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. Same. Yep. I used to be a clone. I used to love right, Jim Rome's right. show. The Smack Off. Uh, Tulsi Gabbert will be doing some sort of video show. And Don Lemon. Don Lemon is his name, but Tucker always called him <laughs> Don Lemon. And listen, hat tip to Elon Musk. If you're going to be all in on freedom of speech, and that's what he says, that means giving platforms to people that either don't like you or disagree with you. And I'm willing to bet Don Lamont probably falls into that category with Elon Musk. At least he used to. By the way, the, the Tucker Carlson, uh, his platform, I've I received a, a subscription for Christmas for my wife. I love it. The, the interview, <laughs> you kind of go back. I'm a little behind. He's just got a ton of interviews with some interesting cats. But he did this interview with John Daly, the golfer. Oh, man. It was man. hilarious. T- telling a story about how he was <laughs> drunk on the golf course and actually beat Tiger Woods. Yeah. Daly, <laughs> I mean, like, yes, there's a lot of Big Macs. There's a lot of beer. There's oh. some nudity. There's some stories. But there was also a really good golfer in there, too. Yeah. So, Tucker's Tucker's platform is pretty good. I'm glad my wife got it for me for Christmas. Is is it just interviews, though? No, no. It's it's commentary. It's okay, because I like Tucker takes. commentary. I get a little worn out if it's just it's, interview it's, after interview. It's monologues. It's on location. I think there are going to be documentaries and things on this platform, so I'll be curious to see what comes next. Uh, the weirdest gadgets so far at this year's Consumer Electronics Show, which I've always wanted to go to. I think it'd be cool. Includes LG's new see-through TV <laughs> and other that can bake a cake in four minutes, and an AI cat door that prevents your cat from bringing in dead mice. Are you okay with this? I'm okay with two out of the three. I don't necessarily need a TV that I can see through. I get that, yeah. It kind of feels like that defeats the purpose. But in regards to <laughs> an oven that can bake a cake in four minutes. <laughs> oh, you're all in. Look at me. Do I look like the kind of guy that's going to complain that the cake can be made in record time? Absolutely not. And as for this AI cat door that prevents your cat from bringing in dead mice, I'm actually 50 50 on this. On one hand, okay. Great technology. You don't want to have a carcass in your house. Because if you've right. ever had a mouse go oh, somewhere sucks. and die in your house, it stinks. Stinks you like can't hell. Find it. You can't it's find it. Awful. But at the same time, I kind of want it to be a reminder to other mice that have ideas. Look at this dead mouse <laughs> in my house. Tell your friends what you saw. Get the hell out of here. Like the way a mafia would bring a body through. I had something just awful. My wife probably doesn't even want me to tell the story because she doesn't want people to think we like live in like some dirty crap. <laughs> house. It was an old house, and it had a hole in the cement, and 
mice were getting in into our basement, but falling in between the walls. And so they didn't have anything to eat and anywhere to go back there, so they started eating themselves. Oh, no. Like cannibal a, a, mice. <laughs> it was like a, a, yeah, a, a mouse cannibal graveyard. And we, oh. had to, we had to come, we had to have a contractor come in and fix, not only fix the hole, but tear out the entire wall and replace all the drywall and stuff. Did it was it a nightmare. stink? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go down there. We got to take it quick care of pretty quick. But the other thing with my cat is, do you, do you have an indoor-outdoor cat or is it just indoor? Just indoor. Okay, yeah. My cat would love to go outdoors if it could, but it doesn't have its front claws. We adopted it that way. And, I mean, it'd get eaten alive probably by a raccoon right. or something. So, a guy in Alabama had few, uh, a few too many at a New Year's party. Hammer climbed into his decorative urn outside as a joke. <laughs> Wait, a, a life-size decorative urn? Yes. Like a big-ass vase, almost. Like, you know, something that's designed oh, wait, for decorative no, purposes. I've seen it, and he couldn't get out, right? This is a video going around? Right. He had to be, like, they had to use a hammer or a chisel to get him out of this urn? Ever been stuck in anything before him? Does an elevator count? Yeah. <laughs> because I was DJing a wedding at um, a bar here in Indy. I don't want to rat out the bar. I was DJing a wedding there, and this is about an hour before it starts, and I'm doing the ceremony and the reception. I'm loading my gear into the freight elevator, and it gets stuck. Oh, no. And I'm locking there, and I'm freaking out, and I'm panicking. So I'm hitting the call button. You know, finally, they got it working. I had about 10 minutes to set up all my gear, line everything up. Nightmare. Sweats pouring off my head. I look like Shaquille O'Neal at the free throw line <laughs> trying to DJ this wedding. The only place I've ever been stuck in is outside in the hallway here, right next door. When I go to like do the stairs and yeah. I get the blood flowing, you know, I go up up and down a flight of stairs just to get some energy. But I have to if, if, I, if I don't have my key card, I can't get back in this area. And you forget your key card all <laughs> the damn time. And I try not to bug anybody, so I'm out there. Banging on the door, you know, you can see my face through the little square window. <laughs> Nobody sees me, and yes, I wind up having to call you or Matt Hiblin. That's the only place I get stuck is outside in that stairwell. I like the people that just walk by. Yeah, right. Like Ann Richards at B one hundred five sees you out there pounding on the door, and she's just like, "Hi," just walks by. Uh, so there's a thread on Reddit. The worst social interactions that you could have. Some of the things on that list include when your Uber driver is someone you used to know and didn't get along with. Oh, I never thought about that. Now they're driving you around. Yeah, or a chatty Uber driver. Of course, my wife gets mad at me when I talk to the Uber driver. So, wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. You don't like a chatty Uber driver, but you chat yeah. with the Uber driver. I, I prefer to be the one talking. <laughs> okay. You okay. just wanted to shut up and listen. Big, so, uh, <laughs> uh, Sit there and take it, Uber driver. Um, mandatory team building events. Oh, those Pe- are the people worst. People the worst social interactions there. Doing an embarrassing medical procedure with a hot doctor. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. I have no problems well, at all. When I had my sick to me. I had to, the the male doctor poking around down there, but the female, there was a female there. I don't know if she was his assistant or the nurse, and she was standing there looking at me, too, and I was kind of kind of trying not to look at her. I meant make awkward. eye contact. No, that's too awkward. Just
just go for it, man. Go all in. Uh, I'm okay with this thread because, yes, those are all some awkward uh, social interactions. The team building, the mandatory team building thing is the worst. So it's you always so that. lame. You always had to do that because when you worked in promotions, right? You, yes. You're doing that kind of they crap. sent us to like the escape room one time and all that crap. For me, the number one thing is not on the list. What's like that? When you're in a bathroom, public bathroom, and you've got to go number two, and you shut and lock the door, but somebody makes eye contact with you through that little crack. Yeah, you can still see him in there. Right. You're sitting on the can, and somebody's looking at you from that little crack in your most vulnerable moment. Oh, please. I've been in two different places. One on the campus of IUPUI, and another inside Circle Center Mall. This is back 20 years ago, at least. And the person sits down next to me, and I can see they are treating their body like they're in an amusement park. Oh! Like, I noticed the motion in the shadow. Oh, and no! And I was, I got the hell out of there. I was scared to death for some reason. Two different times that's happened to me, where there's somebody sits down next to me in the stall and treats their body like an amusement park. I know exactly what's going on. Right. That's horrible. Very, very unnerving. I was not quite that bad, but I was using the urinal in a restroom. Somebody was in the stall, and this happened here in this building. I heard somebody take a camera picture. Like, you hear the little camera <laughs> click. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing in there, guy? What are you taking a picture of? <laughs> send, that, send that to me, won't you? Post that at Hammer and Nigel on social media. It's a beautiful day. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. You can find him on social media at Indy Spanglish. He's a hot take machine on social media. He also is a uh, fill-in host here at 93 WIBC. Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. Doing great. Doing great. How are you guys? Well, I've got the uh, keg tapped. I've got the wings in the smoker getting ready for that state of the uh, state address from Governor Holcomb <laughs> tonight. Uh, it's going to be a big party at the Nigel household. What about at the uh, Lopez household? What do you think we're going to see tonight from old um, high-tax Holcomb, as Rob Kendall calls him? Yeah, I think we're going to see a big nothing burger. He's going to go up there and pretend like he's done a bunch of stuff. Now, I will I will say that uh, Governor Holcomb had to have played basketball because for his whole administration, he's faked right and went left, in my opinion. <laughs> um, there's been no doubt about it. I, I don't have any personal issue with him, but I think that he's been the weakest of all, of all conservative governors across the country. With the mass mandates and different things like that, he's done very little to support us. Yeah, when you mentioned having something personal against him, I... I I'd like the guy before COVID, and he was no different than these uh, left-wing blue state governors during that time period. And I just, I, I have no respect for that. Yeah, I agree completely, and that—that's my only issue. Is I feel like he didn't stand up for individual responsibility or any individual rights. He kind of placated to to the whole corporate machine, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm ready for the next one. Let's see what happens. And you talk about things being personal. It was Governor Holcomb that made it that way. When there was a protest on the lawn at the governor's mansion of business owners who didn't want anything else other than the right to open up their businesses, they weren't breaking windows, they weren't writing graffiti, they weren't blocking the street. They just wanted to open up their businesses. And Governor Holcomb called them a Petri dish. And like Nigel said, that's where he lost me. 
Yeah. It, it, the, the, the personal attacks from him felt very similar to the personal attacks that the left lobs over at us as well. Yes. And it just didn't feel like he really supported us. And, and, in, a, and in a state that's handed the supermajority over and over and over and is consistently red, I would expect him to, to back the constituents. And it just didn't seem to be the case. Jerry Lopez with us. All right. One week away from the Iowa caucus. And it feels like we have this conversation every four years, Jerry. Everybody spent so much time and effort and money on Iowa when really, you know, it's not a deal breaker. I mean, you look at some of the folks that have won Iowa in years past, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, they didn't go on to be the nominee, but yet we're one week away. And look, I'll admit, I'm kind of falling into the trap here. I'm curious. I'm excited to see what happens. What about you? You know, I think we know what's going to happen. I think we know Donald Trump's going to win Iowa. The the big thing is uh, who's going to have money left? Okay, because, you know, whether it's DeSantis or it's Haley, they're full court pressing ads. And I think that really their only chance is going to be what the Supreme Court says on February 8th about being able to take Donald Trump off the ballot. If they come back and say, look, states are within their their right to take him off. All of a sudden we got a three horse race. Right. But if they come out and say, no, you can't take him off. He didn't break any rules. I think these guys are just going to go away. I think February 8th is going to be a big day for those for those two people. There's a big difference between will Donald Trump beat Joe Biden in a general election and will they let him beat Joe Biden in a general election? 100%. So I say I say to everybody, if you believe the election was stolen, and, and that's up for debate, I don't want to have that debate now, but if you believe it was stolen, what have we fixed since then to make sure it doesn't happen again? And the answer is nothing. We still have ballot harvesting. We still have no mandatory voter ID. We still have these drop boxes. We still know we're going to do mail-in ballots, especially if the COVID election variant comes through and they start throwing these ballots at everybody to send from home. So we've really rectified None of the issues that a lot of people have from that election. So there, there's your answer. Can he win? Sure, he can win. Will they let him win? I don't think that we've corrected anything to stop that from happening. Hmm. But really, the issue that you guys bring up, it's really on the Republican Party because the rules are out there. The Republicans, if they wanted to, could go all in on ballot harvesting. They could have a big push for mail-in balloting. Now, they're doing a little bit more than they have in the past. They've got some program out there where they're encouraging people to bank their vote or something. But the rules of engagement, you might not like it, but they're the same, and the Republicans are just not very good at it. Yeah, I agree with you completely. We, we are not good at offense. All right. The Republicans are not good at offense. If ballot harvesting is legal in certain states, we should be ballot harvesting in those states. We should be doing the exact same things. As long as they're within the confines of the law, we should be playing the whole game. Right. Typically, we we show up on Election Day. Right. And and now you have to worry about weather. You have to worry about circumstance. You have to worry about people being scared of covid. You have to worry about all these things. We should be pushing people to vote as early as possible to try to get these numbers in. You bring up weather. And and I think that's to take it back to the caucus. That's something that. That people are really concerned about. I guess there's supposed to be some really inclement weather in Iowa uh, next Monday, so people are worried about voter turnout. On, I was just going to say, you bring up weather. That's going to be interesting next week because it's supposed to be fugly in Iowa <laughs> for uh, caucus night. And if Donald Trump doesn't win in you know tremendous fashion, is that going to be considered a win for Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis? 
I mean, the only win that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis can get is going to come on February 8th from the Supreme Court. Right. So let me give you some polling. As of today, Donald Trump's at 51.3, DeSantis at 17, Haley at 15, Ramaswamy at 7. For context, no non-incumbent Republican has ever secured more than 41% of the vote in the caucuses. 41%. He's at 51. And no non-incumbent Republican has ever won by more than 12 points. He's up 30 points. Right. The last time we saw this was Al Gore. He got 63 percent of the vote in 2000. He beat Bill Bradley by 26 percent, barely won New Hampshire and then didn't lose another one the rest of the way out. Jerry Lopez is our guest on social media at Indy Spanglish. We played a clip yesterday on our show, Jerry. Oh, boy. Of the. Uh, I know where this is going. The DEI leader, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion leader of Google. And her message was pretty simple. If you are somebody that teaches your children that you shouldn't judge somebody by the color of their skin, you are a problem. Here's the. Uh, let, let me play the. Uh, let me quick clip if we could just suffer through it here uh, just for you. In the year 2023, it also amazes me how many people are like, well, I don't see color or it would be so much better if we just didn't worry about someone's skin tone. You as an individual are contributing to the problem because our broader society sees color and it's not just physically seeing a color. There is so much more to it than just that. And if you don't understand that, you are again part of the problem. And it's just to keep telling people that over and over is so frustrating. And I was just on TikTok and there's a trend where parents are teaching their kids not to see color, quote unquote. And I'm like, okay, so the next round of people that are going to be joining our work. Do I have to sit here and keep listening to this woman drone on? This is a major company. This is a major yeah. corporation. This isn't somebody with a podcast in their basement. That's the DEI leader of Google, Jerry. Quit saying leader. Yeah. It's grifter. Yeah. And she's probably <laughs> no, making sure. a seven-figure deal. I, how do you deal with your kids, man? I mean, I, I, I t- totally... My kids don't know about racism. They're 9 and 12 years old. They're yeah, innocent. So, so, funny story. So, all my kids are are um, multicultural or mixed, right? I'm the only Latino in these relationships, okay? And, okay. and, and around Black History Month, when my oldest, she's 21 now, when she was maybe seven, she was going to elementary school, and they were doing a bunch of Black History Month stuff, and uh, she was in Carmel schools, and um, they, they, uh, they're they showing all the videos, you know, making the blacks go to the end of the bus, they can't use the white water fountain, things like that, right? But they're pushing this on little kids, okay, that have no concept of what any of this stuff is, all right? Yeah. And uh, one day I get a call from the school. Mr. Lopez, I need you to come to the school right now. There's been an incident with your daughter. And I'm like, excuse me? My heart is going like, not my baby. Here we go, right? And I show up, and the principal looks at me and goes, oh, this should be interesting. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Well, well, evidently, my daughter made a comment to her good friend that was black about sitting in the back of the bus. And they tried to raise that as a racial event until I walked in and they go, oh, no, this is stupid. You know, like, oh, my gosh, we keep pushing this stuff on kids. Kids don't see race the way that we do. They don't care. Right. They they don't care. And and the more the more I hear this, the more it's like the, the left is getting back to their racist roots. 
right? Finally, they're being true to who they are. Okay, so this lady's upset that I won't be racist towards you. Like, isn't that the point of this whole thing? No, she. I mean, she wants people to notice skin color, which is the complete opposite of what Martin Luther King Jr. Right. said. So she, you know, I mean, you're not treated, supposed to see. She wants to be treated differently based off her race and skin color. Right. And I thought that was illegal. <laughs> right. And Jerry, last year we talked about this the other day. In 2023, I think the woke movement took some punches to the face, right? Whether it was Bud Light, whether it was Target, a lot of these companies that went super woke, it finally caught up with them. But it looks like, in terms of DEI in 2024, that movement is as strong as ever, and they're picking up a lot of big names, like Mark Cuban. He's all in on DEI now. Uh, if you have not seen this, this is this is George Foreman Muhammad Ali on X right now. You have you have America's African American Elon Musk against Mark Cuban just going at it right now. So it, it, there's another clip, another black CEO. Right, so she's the Maverick CEO, Cynthia Marshall. She's the first African American lady to lead the NBA team, but before that, she was a senior vice president, and chief diversity officer of AT and T. Okay, so this is Got who they it. brought in to be their CEO, all right? Not based on anything she's done in, in basketball. This is completely because of diversity. And she came out and basically just did a sit-down with somebody talking about diversity and inclusion. And she said, uh, so we had a 100-day plan with forced training sessions, all right? So so their four, their four uh, steps to this was they wanted to model zero tolerance. They set up a hotline for snitching on people. They, 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 they in her words, purged who needed to be purged, right? They set up a wow. one, yeah, they set up a Mavs woman's agenda, cultural transformation, which is basically just DEI, and then a operational effectiveness, which is gender pay and equity, right? The funny thing is Elon comes out and he goes, okay, I get it. So, uh, so when should we expect to see a short white Asian on the uh, short white Asian woman on the Mavericks? I saw that. Right? And Mark Cuban came back and he got quiet, but there's this account on there. It's WeWu, W-E-I-W-U, who's now published posted in a viral tweet it says I play basketball I be your point guard make Mavericks oh. most DEI and wow. everybody is this has gone crazy the Hodge twins are now like you better hire her or you're a white supremacist <laughs> like it is going just back nuts. themselves into a corner don't they yeah. every time Jerry if somebody wants to uh, have a conversation with you debate you or follow you how can they find you Yep, I'm on X at Indie Spanglish. Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Have a great day. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Did you have money on Michigan last night, college football? So, I kind of hedged my bet last night. When Washington beat Oregon for the first time earlier in the year, I bought Washington to win the championship at plus 600. Oh, wow. So, they made it to the championship game, and I thought, you know what? If I just bet my money, whatever I bet on that, on Michigan to win, either way, I get my money back tonight. Either Washington wins, and I make a big profit, or Michigan wins, and I get an itty-bitty little baby profit. It was number two, but I still didn't lose money. So I played both sides last night because I had a future bet involved. Did you bet on the Pacers? Because I know you're at the game last night. You saw Halliburton get injured. Yeah, and that was rough, man. And I did not bet on the Pacers, but I'm assuming the Celtics were favored last night. They were. They were. And uh, the I avoided won. the game. I just wanted to watch it as a fan last night. 